The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. This is the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Alongside me in the studio as he is every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, it's Uncle T-Bone with me here on ESPN. Happy Monday, sir. Hope you're doing well and a busy show ahead of us, man. What a beautiful day, Jacob. I mean, it is. How about it? Just a gorgeous day after some uh, dreary and rainy weather and cold weather this weekend around the plains. And boy, oh boy, does it seem dreary right now with the Auburn basketball program. I know when you I might as well just open up the phones and just let her rip because, and you can get in at 334-321-1390. Jacob, what's going on with our basketball program? Hmm. Yeah, not happy. I mean, I got some questions, man. And I think a lot of people are looking for some answers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's what everybody's been talking about since last Wednesday. And then, of course, since Saturday is um, what's happening, what's going on with this Auburn team who was seemingly unbeatable, right? They were just rolling for a long time. And then they went through what most people say and what the metrics say was their toughest week of the season. And they go 0 for 2 in that stretch including a loss on the road Saturday to Mississippi State on the road so we're going to talk about that today that'll be a big focal point the metrics of the show today we also have NFL playoffs to talk about the conference championships we have a Super Bowl matchup as we'll talk about the results from yesterday two legendary games we knew they would be and they were everything and then some so we'll talk about those today as well plus whatever you want to talk about on the phone lines and then Jacob Hillman will join us from the Auburn Sports Network coming up in the second hour at 3 30 but Again, as Uncle T-Bone said, phone lines are open. You can give us a call. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? How do you feel on this Monday, January 29th, 2024? 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to us. Get on the air here on ESPN 106.7. And you said it, Uncle T-Bone. Auburn basketball goes 0-2 for last week, including the loss on Saturday on the road at the Hump in Stark Vegas. And I'm curious, I know your answer here, but... Are people more fired up and upset about the loss to Alabama on Wednesday or the loss to Mississippi State on Saturday? I think that's a great place to start. I mean, personally, I'm more fired up about the loss to Mississippi State after I saw what Alabama did to LSU at home. Put it on them. Uh, Put it on them. And look, I can't stand Nate Oates. I don't like his face. Uh, it wouldn't bother me if, well, I'm not going to go there, but I'm not going to advocate for violence. I think there's something psychologically wrong We're about the guy. We're five minutes into the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I'm fired up today, guys. Just buckle up. 
Just buckle up. Uncle Tebow's going to be on a tear today. Nate Oates is a great basketball coach. That's just all there is to it. And it, it burns me to have to say that. Because after their Super Bowl win over Auburn Wednesday, and this and, 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 and it's been Super Bowl against Bruce Pearl since Oates has been here. He's tried everything he can do to get some kind of heated rivalry going with Auburn. And I think Pearl's done a good job just being above the fray and not doing any kind of bulletin board material. You know, Nate Oates is mouthy after games, especially when he wins. And and it's all going to come back to roost one day like it did in the NCAA tournament forum last year. So time will tell on Nate Oates like it always does. But he's 6-3 and three against Bruce Pearl. So they go out and uh, take care of business against Auburn in their crummy stadium that's falling apart. And then I'm thinking to myself, LSU's a good a, a good athletic team. Yes. They're not terrible. I mean, I've seen them play some serious basketball this season. And if Alabama is kind of on a letdown, like most teams are after a big win, they better watch out. And Alabama went out there and took care of business. And they didn't just play a gritty brand of basketball like they did against Auburn to get past the Tigers. They played a uh, they played a very exciting brand of basketball to get past the Bayou Bengals from Louisiana. So after I saw that and after I saw how Auburn did not show up in Mississippi State, reverted back to all the old things that we've seen over the last two or three years, missing free throws, missing open looks, KD, God bless him, running around like the Tasmanian devil with his chicken, like a chicken with its head cut off. Jalen Williams completely disappearing. And if it's not for Janai Broom and Chaney Johnson, terrible guard play. Let's just face it, that was terrible. And if it's not for Chaney Johnson and it's not for Janai Broom, just like if it wasn't for Janai Broom and Tuscaloosa, the score would have been way worse. Alabama went back to playing Alabama basketball inside of Coleman Coliseum. They dropped 109 points on LSU on Saturday night. They gave up 88, but it doesn't matter when you score 109. You're scoring, I mean, that's you're looking at NBA-type numbers there for Alabama. So they continued to roll. And then, like you said, Auburn just continued to struggle. And, you know, the difference in the, the Mississippi State game versus the Alabama game for Auburn in the Alabama game, we know what happened. They they got down by 14 at the half, and they just couldn't overcome it. They couldn't recover, right? Against Mississippi State, it was tied at the half. It was an ugly score of 21-all, but it was tied. And then you just get outplayed and beat in the second half, 43-37, and you lose the game 64-58. to And even though Janai had a good game and one of the better games for Auburn. It still wasn't up to par for no. him. I mean, he had 14 points and seven rebounds. That's about seven or eight points less than he's capable of and a few rebounds less than he's capable of. And you said it, the shooting has just gone south. And tell me if that sounds familiar. Tell me if that rings a bell. We're talking about an Auburn team that struggles to shoot the basketball has not been the case much this season but I think uh I think you have to give credit to a maybe a a step up in competition that Auburn has played here and here we are yet again another week starts Uncle T-Bone and the Tigers still looking for their first quad one win Tigers go six of 24 from three-point land against Mississippi State That's 25% in the last two games on the road 
against Mississippi State and Alabama. They've gone 11 for 49. That's 22%. And you said it scored 21 points, a paltry 21 points in the first half of a major NCAA men's basketball team. I've seen better basketball in that half down there at the Frank Brown wreck on a Sunday afternoon outside, Jacob. That was brutal. No physical. I don't think Mississippi State necessarily outplayed us. They were just less ugly than we were basketball-wise. One way the to truth say it. of the matter is we played a lazy brand of basketball in Starkville, and at least Mississippi State was out there hustling, got 15 more rebounds than the Tigers, got Dylan Cardwell in foul trouble. He was a non-factor in the first half. That Mississippi State was more physical. They, they, they played harder. They coached harder, and they wanted it more. What's upsetting to me about Auburn and what they did uh, what they did defensively, they slowed down the one guy that they were scared of, the one guy that we were worried about that could beat this Auburn team basically by himself, and that's Tolu Smith, right? Tolu Smith for Mississippi State, four of seven with eight total rebounds and just nine points. He didn't do a whole lot. Auburn shut him down. They did exactly what they wanted to do. They just forgot that Matthews was on the team and Hubbard was on the team and Moore was on the team. I mean, they forgot other guys existed for the Bulldogs and they couldn't get the stops that they needed to, but still, Auburn only gave up 64 points on the road. Like, I don't really have a whole lot of defensive issues here besides getting out-rebounded, yeah, but you scored 58 points in the SEC. You're going to lose every single time if you don't break 60. Come on now. And... You can't keep relying on Janai Broom to go off for 25 points a game. And what happened to the Jalen Williams that's been aggressive and been the alpha dog? And I thought, okay, finally, right? Finally, we've gotten the Jalen Williams we've been begging for for three years. We finally got him. He finally broke out of the shell, and he's going to dominate. And he was playing Uncle T-Bone and listeners He was playing at an all-SEC level. We were talking about SEC Player of the Year with Jalen Williams. And here we are, and he goes and and plays like old Jalen Williams. And you want to talk about somebody playing in the old way? KD Johnson has gone back to 2021 KD where he's going to dribble between the legs, he's going to take a crazy step back three, or he's going to run in between four people, and he ain't passing the ball, folks. We know that. You know that. Everybody in the gym knows that. And it worries me because this team has reverted to bad playing styles when they're up against adversity. For the very few times this year, they have gone back to bad play. And a lot of teams go through this at times, right? We saw it against App State. They just couldn't hit a shot. On Wednesday against Alabama, they panicked and they started shooting threes. And then on Saturday against Mississippi State, they did the same thing. They started turning the ball over, taking bad shots, and not doing what it took to win. And I'll be honest, that does concern me here, Uncle T-Bone. It does. And I think it concerns a lot of Auburn fans, too, because they're still waiting for that first big win. And what happens when they face adversity in Nashville for the SEC tournament or face a little adversity in the NCAA tournament, which is going to happen? Oh, you better believe it. 
You better believe it. That's a lot to digest right there, my friend. I don't even know where to start. Let's start with K.D. Johnson and his stellar day Saturday against Mississippi State. 22 minutes, one rebound, one assist, two points. How about Jalen Williams? 28 minutes, five rebounds, three assists, 10 points. Was basically seemed like a non-factor to me. But here's what's disturbing to me. Dylan Cardwell. I mean, he's like SEC six-man of the year material. He might be national college basketball player, six-man of the year, mm. man. I was the six-man of the year back in 1985, Jacob, in the Neighborhood Basketball <laughs> Association. Dylan Cardwell, six minutes, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero points. Mississippi State came in with a plan. Just like Alabama did. This is what's really disturbing to me. And they wanted to get Dylan Cardwell in foul trouble early. And, and they and did. make him a non-factor. And then dominate the boards. And dominate did they did. You said it, Tulu Smith? Nah. How about Cameron Matthews? 34 minutes. This number four is what I call him. 34 minutes, 11 boards, two assists, and 14 points. And, and one of the – at some point in that game – I'm watching the TV, and Leor Berman is trying mm. to block Cameron Matthews out. That's a that's a whole. How other do you topic. think that went? Yeah. After Cameron Matthews took the ball off the rim and hung on the rim and basically showed his junk to the entire nation on TV, went about the same way as when Leor guarded Mark Sears on Wednesday night at Tuscaloosa. That's how that went. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Let's get to the phone lines. Andy, you're on the line, man. How are you? All right. So you guys don't worry about anything. It, it's not Auburn's fault. I told you I took them against Alabama. I told you we lost, so I was going to double up on Mississippi State. I'm done with them. I did them. My big bets were Appalachian State, Alabama, and Mississippi State, and they all have something in common, right? Yep. So, they're your team again. They'll start winning. I'm done. You only have a gambling problem if you lose, and, and Auburn's making me lose. They need to get off their damn scooters and start walking to class or wherever they go on campus. Um, you know, I don't think it's in the world, but, uh, you know, Coach Pearl needs to get them and run some hills or – Take them out to, for some beers or something and get them together. I think it's more the beer side of it, to be <laughs> honest with you, because from what I understand, Andy, this team was on an 11 win, 11 game winning streak heading into Alabama. And we're all fired up, and the fans are fired up, and the players got their swag and their confidence. And here comes the coach with comments that this team just isn't as good as everybody's making them out to be. And that's like, to me, the record stopping at a party. What? You're throwing cold water on these guys who are rolling? When someone's rolling, bro, you keep firing them up until they get taken down. And then there were reports before that Alabama game that we were getting uh, into some very physical practices to get prepared for Alabama and Mississippi State on the road. When you go on the road you got to be like Tommy Tuberville was with the, with the uh, Stormtroopers and let it f- rip, man, and play loose and no fear. You're the invader. You're the pirate. You're going to take their booty. You don't get into some physical practice before you go on the road and wear them out? Come on, man. Yeah, some, something's broke. Hopefully they figure it out. You know, basketball's all about getting hot at the right time, and hopefully they're getting this out of their britches before it gets real serious. But uh, very disappointed. Um, again, I don't know when, when my kids are going to be able to eat because of the same <laughs> team. So 
um, just sick, sick to my stomach. But uh, hopefully we'll get together for that uh, for the for the big dance coming up. And, Hope uh, so. Yeah, man. Heart, heartbroken. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good right. way to put Where it. Thanks so much, Andy, for the call. 334-321-1390. Well, there you go. I mean, there everybody can just blame Andy. Andy's the one to blame here <laughs> because he kept taking Auburn. And, and look, in the entertainment purposes only business of that, I learned a long time ago, don't mess with Auburn. Don't mess with Auburn. How many times have we gone through heartbreak and disappointment and winning games you're not supposed to and losing games that you're supposed to win and all that. You can't ever predict Auburn. Auburn's the most unpredictable thing that's ever existed. Are you serious? Uh Uh-uh. Yeah, some people call that Java. I'll tell you one thing I've learned about Auburn. It's like a falling knife. Don't try and catch it. Yeah, you never know where it's going to land. 334-321-1390. We'll take our first break here in hour number one. We got people fired up on a Monday afternoon. Come on in and join us. We'll keep talking basketball, football as well here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Talking a little bit more Auburn basketball, SEC basketball, college basketball from this weekend. So many great games are going on right now in college basketball as we are in the heart of conference play as we get towards the end of January and turn into February. Crazy that... uh, Crazy it's taken this long, but we're almost to February, man. Isn't that wild? Thursday is Feb 1. I can't believe it. I really can't. And so um, you kind of look around what happened in the SEC. We'll start there and then kind of work our way out a little bit. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on college basketball this weekend, 334-321-1390, outside of Auburn and Mississippi State. You had some really, really good games, Uncle Tebow. And you had Tennessee, who is now up to number 5, well, they were number five. We'll pull up the latest AP poll. We did not mention that. Auburn dropped in the AP poll today from eight down to uh, 16 uh, is where they sit in the latest AP poll. So wanted uh, want to mention that. And look, that's not really a surprise. You go over two in a week, and you're probably going to drop pretty significantly. So um, yeah. that's, that's not a surprise well, to me. Well, the Tigers have an opportunity to make up some ground back, but they better get it together pretty quickly. We get Vanderbilt at home Wednesday. It might just be what the doctor ordered to end the month. Then you start February, like you said, at Ole Miss, hosting Alabama, at Florida, hosting South Carolina, hosting Kentucky, at Georgia, at Tennessee, and then finally you get a little bit of a break, I guess, from a team that just beat you on the road, uh, Mississippi State coming to town into March. So February is a brutal schedule for Auburn, and they, they'll, they better get it together or they're going to really plummet and even far as possible if they don't win any of these games to where you know where I'm about to say. Well, that schedule has gotten a lot tougher tougher over the last couple of weeks just because of what the SEC has become. And, you know, you you have to address the fact that the transfer portal has made, just like it does in football, it has made everybody better, right? I mean, teams that were not supposed to be all that or at least competing and giving people some dogfights in games because just like look LSU. at like LSU, yep. like Ole Miss, like ten or not to uh, looking at you know Georgia and Florida, like teams that were supposed to be average or below average are not easy outs in the SEC anymore. And you look around what happened this weekend 
Tennessee was number five in the country. They went on the road to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt had a five-point lead at the half. Now, Tennessee came out and dominated the second half, but they had to earn that win in Nashville, did Tennessee. Kentucky had to do the same thing against a Mm -hmm. bad Arkansas team. The Razorbacks with college game day there for whatever reason. They got up and gave Kentucky a game, and the Cats had to come back and win that one by six, right? I mean, did you see the game of the day? Oh, yeah, I know where you're about to go. Georgia and Florida. Fantastic basketball game. In Gainesville, starting off the day, unbelievable game here. Florida was up by more than 20 points at one point in the second half. I think it got up to, what, 21 points was their biggest lead. I mean, they with dominated like, for the majority of the game until yeah. the last... 12 minutes yeah yeah it was like the last 12 to 14 minutes and all of a sudden Georgia came alive and they started hitting threes left and right they were I mean just going off the rails and Georgia forced overtime and then Florida if you haven't looked they're one of the best teams in overtime this season like they are that they're the overtime kings if you will and they end up winning 102 to 98 but what a fantastic basketball game that was in the SEC to get the Saturday going Georgia guard R.J. Melendez said, come on, dogs, get on my back. I'm going to keep you in this game alone. He goes for 35 points in this ballgame, Jacob. But the real story, the fun story, the exciting story for the Georgia Bulldogs is guard Blue Kane. If you've not seen this white shadow playing basketball, <laughs> I highly recommend watching this kid with his with his lettuce, the flowy hair, the hair going everywhere. I mean, white oh, men yeah. can't jump was made about this made about this kid. That movie was, but I tell you, Blue what, came. he can knock back some threes at critical moments. He it was a very very exciting basketball game. I mean, Georgia they didn't have trouble shooting on the road Mm-mm. in a hostile environment. And they go down bigly in this game and decide they're going to come back and really had a big chance to win the game. Both teams in regulation on their last two possessions, game tied, 10, 12 seconds left. Both teams don't get a shot off. Yeah. Can you believe that? I know. That's I know. disappointing. That I was expecting this to be a March Madness type game. Buzzer right beater. At the end. Buzzer beater. Yeah. And, you, and the guy makes it goes and slides at midcourt. But <laughs> Hey, uh, kudos to Florida. That's a big win for them. Possibly might be moving them off the bubble. You know, right now when you're kind of close to a team in the standings like Georgia, you want to get ahead of them, you want to stay ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, you don't want – when you get on the bubble and they start talking about who's going to get in and who's not going to get in, you don't want to give the committee an excuse. And this is the type game where Florida didn't give them an excuse. They went ahead and took care of business. Had they lost this game, whoo, this is a bad mark. Now Georgia's got to kind of rebound and get it together, but that's a really, really underrated basketball team over in Athens, and they're fun to watch. They are fun to watch, and I'm just going to be honest with you, my uh, annual guys trip to Athens is looking a heck of a lot scarier right now than it did when we bought those tickets a few months ago. And so um, Auburn's got to go there. They play Georgia twice. They have to go to Georgia late February. Uh, so keep that in mind. You bring up the bubble in bracketology. And the latest bracketology from ESPN and Joe Lenardi was on Friday. So this weekend's games have not been affected by this yet. But Florida was on the bubble. And they are the next four outs, according to Joe Lenardi. So this will more than likely 
move them in. Another SEC team right there on the bubble. How about Ole Miss? First four out. They did themselves some work this weekend going on the road. Did you hear that? On the road in the SEC. And they get a big win over Buzz Williams and Texas A&M. That was a grinded out win. And the Rebels pick up a big one on Saturday night in Texas A&M at Aggieland. Yeah, Ole Miss all of a sudden sixth in the SEC with a 4-3 and three conference record, 17-3 and three overall. A&M kind of dropping 3-4 and four in the league, 12-8 and eight overall. Aggies better get it together really quickly. I think Buzz Williams is quite capable, though. Uh, they've got some big games ahead of them beginning on February 3rd, Florida at A&M. That'll be almost a bubble-type game. That will be must-watch television. Yeah, the three SEC teams that were on the bubble going into the weekend, all of them got big victories. Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Florida all got big wins. That's what you have to do, Uncle T-Bone, to get yourself into the NCAA tournament. Quad one wins are more important than ever. Auburn's still looking for that first one. We'll talk some more Auburn athletics, college basketball, college football, NFL as well when we come back here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goetz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through the first hour here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back of Jacob Goetz. He is Uncle T-Bone talking all things Auburn athletics, college basketball. We got NFL things we need to get to as well. Uh, but uh, Uncle T-Bone, we're still on DC Watch for whatever reason. Um, we expected, look, I was told, I was told last Monday afternoon, a week ago today, that a D.C., a defensive coordinator for Auburn football could be hired, quote, at any time, any day now, is what I was told a week ago today. Technically, that's not wrong. It could happen at any time. <laughs> it very well could. Um, but let me and but I'll you, say but this. you interpreted that as more imminent like most of us did. I mean, yeah. shucks. I mean, maybe we'll just be like Vanderbilt. You know, they didn't years ago. They said they weren't going to have an athletic director. We just won't have a DC. We'll just do it by committee or yeah. something. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the expectation was okay. It's going to happen this week. Like that's just that that was everybody's feeling. And yet here we are. Right here we are. And you know, some people may say, well. Why is it such a big deal? Shouldn't they take their time and get the guy that they want? Yes. But haven't we had time for that? We're almost in February. We're doing workouts right now, and spring ball is right around the corner. I, I just don't understand why there's not a defensive coordinator hired. I don't know what the hiccup is here. Um, you know, there's, there's different situations. Is it going to be DJ Durkin? Can they get him away from another school? Are there... Uh, of course, the the off-field issues that people raised a bunch of you-know-what about, I don't think so. 
Are there issues with Kiffin from the NFL? Is he going around and is he job searching, doing a little little hunting on the trail before he accepts a job? Or is Auburn just going to promote somebody from within? But, man, I think people are tired of waiting around to see who this guy is going to be. Let's get this thing done and over with. Yeah, I mean, do we just need to get a D.C. hot board going in studio? And start moving names around. Start drawing lines across I mean, it and putting pins last in Last week, it seemed like Chris, Chris Kiffin was imminently about to be hired at Auburn. And that was the word and the rumblings. And everybody was like, you know, let's go, Kiffin. And then uh, DJ Durkin's name has just kind of been hanging around there for a hot minute, which I don't have a problem with if Auburn hires him. Look, I don't. The stuff that happened at Maryland was years ago. He paid the ultimate price with his with his career. He had to basically, like Hugh Freeze, take a big step back and rebuild his name and career not long after he started working again. Yeah. After being the head coach at Georgia, he was hired, guess where, at Alabama as an analyst. So, you know, look, guys, if it's good enough for Nick Saban, I don't want to hear about it. And then he went on to Ole Miss – to be the defense coordinator there with Lane Kiffin and then was hired at Texas A&M. So I have no problem with DJ Durkin. Uh, Zach Arnett, another name, the former Mississippi State coach, his name's been thrown around. He runs a little bit different style of defense than most people. I just think that that's not going to translate at Auburn, but, you know, who knows. And then so now the hot name is, well, the guy who might already be on staff and we hired from Colorado uh, – who's the former Auburn player, uh, Charles Kelly. And, you know, he's a kind of a co-defensive coordinator slash safeties coach, recruiting guru. And now it's just, you know, well, you know, we were just going to kind of hire him the whole, the whole time if, if that get, if that goes through that way. And then they hire somebody to coach safeties back there and take his spot. So I don't know what's going on with it, Jacob. We talked about it on Friday. We both agreed that we thought by two o'clock, we set the over-under at 2 o'clock today, last Friday, that we would have a defensive <laughs> coordinator hired by now. They don't care about our show, going Wade. It's unbelievable. Over, it's unbelievable. You know, but I would recommend just going ahead and getting this deal done. We need some continuity in that coaching staff. There's been a lot of changes in the, after this first year, which you should have, as a grown-up, expected, right? But there's been a lot of changes. There's a lot of things going on the portal always. There's a lot of things going on in NIL always. You said it. winter workouts are going on. Spring practice is right around the corner. Let's get a defensive coordinator and let's get going. And selfishly for us, I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to talk about a new defensive coordinator rather than have this hypothetical conversation about who's it going to be, when's it going to happen, right? I'd like to talk about it and start to really preview the upcoming season because spring workouts are around the corner and August will be here before we know it. Yeah, I mean, I like normalcy. You know, it's just normal to go ahead and get a job filled. There you go. Most people get this done pretty quickly, so what's the hold up here? 334-321-1390. Shane, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. Hey, guys. I just, I'm just i just trying to figure out what all the impatientness is coming from. Um, I mean, wouldn't we want – I mean, like, surely the people that are getting paid millions of dollars have a reason for this. Is it just so we have something to talk about or, or what? I mean, partially, sure, but I think also – you know, it's it's a position right it, you do, but I think it's a position that's been void for a while, and with it seemingly being 
obvious on the the guys they were going after and nothing being secured is it is it you know it starts to worry me a little bit is it guys turning the job down is it guys going and and interviewing for other jobs that they'd prefer and then if they don't get that well okay then I'll accept the Auburn job or because we need to know everything now 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 and and not like just let the process play out surely there's things going on behind the scenes so you know, I, it, there's job openings across the country. There's jobs that, that are going in the NFL. They're going crisscrossing, and uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. So it, it just it doesn't. I don't understand why the the, the impatience about about this. If we can just get the right guy, whenever that happens, you know, we've got people in place to, for recruiting, for continuity, for we can practice now. We have all the positions covered. We just want one guy to cover all the position coaches. So, so I just don't understand what the what the rush is, unless it's just something to, to to talk about. We we have to have more information now. Now, it's just yeah. Ron Roberts uh, resigned from Auburn on January eighth. That's uh, twenty days ago. And uh, my question oh, to God, you, Shane, is time. is how many uh, teams in the SEC are without a defense coordinator right I now? I don't give a shit. Hey, why? Why? Uh, thanks, why Shane. Play? Thanks. Why, thanks why for calling. Yeah, appreciate that, buddy. Yeah, I can't well, be saying those type well, of words on air, my friend. Well, look, and, and here's the thing. All right, here's the thing. Shane, we appreciate your call. We appreciate your loyalty, man. You know that. I understand, right? I do. I understand it. That there are there are some people that are, let's get the right man. Let's hold out. Let's make sure it's the right guy. And I'm one of those guys, too. But my concern, like I said to Shane, my concern here is why is it taking so long? I don't care if it takes however long it takes, but we've known there's a handful of four or five people that Auburn has been focusing on. They've been going after, and they've yet to get one signed, sealed, and delivered. And again, my concern from that becomes, okay, is Auburn really just being picky in a good way, right? Are they making sure they get the right guy, and if they are, great? Or is there a legitimate problem here where, People maybe don't want the defensive coordinator job or maybe they're so worried about the backlash of hiring somebody that they're scared to make the hire. I don't know, Uncle T-Bone. I don't. I don't know. And with that, that's where my concern comes from. It's not the fact that it's taken 20 days or three weeks or whatever the case may be, but I think we understand there are some really good options out there why can't they go and get one taken care of and done? I, I don't like, I understand, right? I, I completely understand where Shane's coming from and we appreciate the call, but I, I don't know. I just, the, more people are in this camp than they are the other camp, right? I mean, everybody we talk to is, why is this taking so long? Why is it that a week ago we were hearing on the back end that this is going to happen this week, and here we are, and it's still not taking place? That's that's where we're coming from here. Maybe some defensive coordinators that they have targeted are taking a look at this roster, and they're saying, I don't know if I want to take on that because it's been so depleted over the Harson years that it's a complete rebuild, and they might rather just stay where they are or walk into a better situation. Or look at the rotation of, of coordinators in the last four or five years. Yeah, I mean, I mean Auburn is know, yet to keep it. Let's just be real up. honest. Auburn's football program for quite some time has been a little toxic, and maybe some folks just want to make sure that they feel comfortable 
that they want to step into that situation. I don't know, but the longer that this goes on, the more questions are going to be raised about it, not to mention that Alabama hired a lost the greatest of all time and hired a coach in 72 hours, and he's already got a full staff, including a defensive coordinator. And speaking of that, I'm glad you bring that up because I want to talk about that too. There's a lot of conversation right now about Kalen DeBoer at Alabama and his ability to recruit in the South, okay? That's been a huge talking point for a lot of Auburn fans, a lot of SEC fans, a lot of college football fans, right? About Kalen DeBoer, has he even stepped foot in the state of Alabama? There's a good chance he never did. But I've heard on other shows and on other sites and on social media that Kalen DeBoer can recruit in the South because he got Ryan Williams to commit to Alabama. Oh my gosh. And let me just remind everybody. No stop with that. Here, let me remind everybody where Ryan Williams was committed originally. He was committed to Alabama. He was already an Alabama commit. He then decommitted, and all they did was throw more money at him, and he decided to make the same decision that he already did. He didn't go, Kalen DeBoer and this new staff, he didn't go and poach a five-star wide receiver out of Louisiana or out of Opelika or Auburn High. He got a guy that was already going to Alabama. So I don't think that narrative really works, and I've heard and seen a lot of that, and I'm glad you bring that up because that's an interesting situation too. And that's a new staff that got thrown together and – you know, you start pondering the question with Alabama, how many of those guys will be there this time next year after one year, just like we've seen with Auburn with their one-year coaching staff? I mean, you have to you have to start comparing and thinking about that. I mean, look, uh, time will tell on whether or not Kalen DeBoer can recruit in the South. He's got one of the greatest recruiting mechanisms behind him that's ever been created, and that's whatever system that Alabama – has set up for a very, very long time to help bring talent into Tuscaloosa. Do you have some in your throat? Yeah, sorry, i got to get some water. He, he, you know, look, he, he's sitting on a very strong foundation left by Nick Saban. But I'll say this, I mean, if he's such a great recruiter and he's just, I mean, proven it just by this one commitment of Ryan Williams or recommitment or whatever you want to call it, still hadn't signed on the dotted, dotted line, by the way, how come uh, how come Washington defensive back Jabbar Muhammad, pretty solid player from his team at Washington last year that went to the national championship, how come he decided to choose Oregon in the transfer portal over them following his coach to Alabama? I mean, the most historic football program in the history of college football, Jacob. Hmm. I don't know. You know, and this whole Ryan Williams did what Ryan Williams did was very intelligent. Very intelligent. Because he didn't just turn the tables on Alabama. He turned the tables on all of recruiting and opened it all back up as soon as Nick Saban decided to leave. And it was, well, there were a bunch of deals that I'd agreed to, and I'm just spitballing here. But you know what? Things have changed. And I haven't signed anywhere yet. And he won't until maybe about I a should week or poke so. around and I don't know, see if I can get a little extra money. You think from that's somebody. what's going on here? 
Do you think that I think that Ryan Williams <laughs> just is so enthralled by the crimson and white and the privilege of wearing that jersey, Jacob, roll tide row, that he's just, I mean, I, I, they don't even have to pay me to go up there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He got a massive amount of money offered to him because Alabama had upwards of 28 people leave that program, which nullified all their NIL deals. Not to mention they had a bunch of people that had decommitted that nullified their NIL deals. And not to mention that Julian Sayan, the number one quarterback in the country who had committed and was on campus, left nullifying his NIL deal. And there's a pile of extra money in Alabama. People are like, perception-wise, if we lose him, this could immediately be a torpedo in this new ship. You're not going anywhere. Here's our offer. Boom. And – and that's okay. And yeah, there's nothing wrong we live with, in. There's and there's nothing wrong with the university doing that, the program doing that, and I think at the top of the list, the player doing that. No, not even Ryan Williams, just anybody, right? And that goes back to the entire premise of what has happened in college football, where the player, not even in college football yet, the high school recruit has all the power. Sure. They've got it all. The players have the power. They can do whatever they want. And that's exactly what Ryan Williams did. He decommitted within, what, half an hour of Nick Saban retiring? (laughs) And he said, look, I still want to play in Alabama, but yeah, you're going to have to, like you said, you said it really well. Things have changed. Same way with any other job, right? If your responsibilities grow at your job, well, yeah, I think I want a little bit more money. There's some new management that's going to require you to do new things. Yeah, you're going to have to pay me a little bit more. You're not getting that for free. That previous contract, null and void. And I think that's totally acceptable and understandable from a player perspective who have all the power. Jacob, nothing's free in this world but a poor reputation, my friend. Mm. And if you think that there's any big-time recruit, well, um, let me take that back. I, there, there are still people that have been lifelong fans to schools that would say, yeah, this has been a dream of mine to always wear the, the, the navy blue and orange or the crimson or white or whatever color. But That's becoming a lot more rare. But I don't think that the majority of people now look at it this way. In the past – one of the quickest ways to wealth if you were doing everything above board, and I know that not all teams, if any, were outside of Vandy in this league. Let's just be honest. Let's just be real. Let's be grown-ups. People have been getting paid for a long time to go play college football at places. Okay? so But in the past, a almost guaranteed way to get wealth legitimately was to go sign with Alabama and Nick Saban because of so and and trust their process and trust him and get yourself into the NFL. There You've you go. seen the checks. Yeah. That the, they thrown around $579 million now that Nick Saban has made mm-hmm. uh, NFL players or whatever. Which was a legitimate thing. But that's the past and times have changed. 334-321-1390. Come in and join us. Our final segment in hour number one. When we come back, reminder, Jacob Hillman of the Albert Sports Network will join us coming up later on in hour number two. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Been nothing short of electric, I would say, here on the airwaves of 1067 ESPN Radio. We appreciate you being with us on this just, I mean, couldn't ask for a better day weather-wise outside. It's Chamber sunny, of Commerce Day, man. 50 degrees. There you go. There you go. As we uh, approach the end of January, got a couple of days until February, and we only got a couple of minutes in this segment. And, you know, uh, around college basketball we were talking earlier about Auburn we'll talk some more about that in the second hour the SEC we'll talk some more about that in the second hour got to talk about the NFL playoffs I want us to have a good segment about that from what happened in the championship games yesterday but man there was some really good college basketball this weekend around the country we got just a couple of minutes T-Bone just kind of highlighting a couple of of big games. I mean, you had North Carolina go on the road and take down Florida State. You had um, Kansas and Iowa State. You had Iowa State storm the floor after taking down the Jayhawks, who are four and three in Big Twelve play. Don't uh, don't sleep on the Big Twelve now. They eat themselves alive just about it's every a great single basketball year. Conference. It's so good. But again, that's the problem: is they're so good that they just beat up on each other, and so they're going to get a ton of teams in. I mean, latest bracketology on Friday, they have nine teams in the NCAA tournament that's two more than anybody else SEC and Big East both tied for seven so BYU taking down Texas 84 to 72 yeah yeah that Clemson Duke game was very interesting that was horrible call horrible shocker shocker at home the the in Duke they get a questionable Home cooking. As our, Can you feel it? As our general manager, Steve Witten of Auburn Networks, would say, puke got a uh, one-point win over Clemson. He's a uh, huge Clemson grad, in case you didn't know. And um, loves the Tigers. And, and look, they got hosed. They got hosed. They did. They got absolutely hosed in Cameron Indoor. Was it a foul? Could Maybe. Could have been. But the dude also pushed off before the jump shot ever came. And if that's going to be the standard for a foul call – we're done. I mean, put us in put us in rec league and just blow the whistle every time because that's unbelievable. On the game-winning shot, and credit to the guy stepped up and knocked him down, but what a horrible weak call to end the game, man. And Clemson, not a bad basketball team, but Duke survives. They're now 6-2 and two in ACC yeah, play. Yeah, they're going to get that call inside Cameron Indoor, especially against Clemson. No offense to Clemson, but it's not a – not a, not one of the blue bloods of college basketball. Solid team, though. They were able to go into Tuscaloosa and take care of business easily back in November. Auburn can't seem to do anything on the road. Maybe they'll get it together in February, but I just don't know about that, Jacob. And what was up with that we're gone all week road trip? That, like, what are they, the Durham Bulls? They get on a cheese wagon and just ride around the south. I you mean, didn't like can that, we huh? not afford for our team to come home and then fly out Saturday morning and fly back to Stark Vegas? Mm. That was ridiculous. Sounds like you think that had an effect on Saturday, uh, huh? They didn't look. Uh, they look lively to you. They mm. look. They look dead inside Starkville, and if they don't get together, their chances of making a run in the tournament are. We'll talk more about that in hour number two. Stick with us here on ESPN 106.7. production. 
You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that uh, it tells you like it is. and um, Holds nothing back. <laughs> and that has been the case today um, here on ESPN 106.7. Man, uh, if you missed any of hour number one, we're having a lot of fun. We are. We're having fun. I hope you are as well on this Monday afternoon. You can go find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line again wherever you get your podcast. Coming up here in hour number two, we'll talk with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, get his thoughts and updates on everything going on in Auburn athletics. That's basketball, football, baseball, around the corner, you name it. We'll be talking with Jacob Hillman about that um, in the first hour. Talked a lot of basketball. We'll get into some more of that here in hour number two. Talk some football. Would love to get some NFL conversation in here. We'll probably do that the second segment of this hour before we get to Jacob Hillman. But until then, phone lines are open. Give us a call. What's on your mind? How are you feeling on this Monday? 334-321-1390. Auburn basketball goes on the road this weekend. They take on Mississippi State trying to bounce back from a midweek loss against Alabama. And they're unable to do it. Uncle T-Bone, they go for two they dropped from eight down to 16 in today's latest ap poll yeah you know i think they're fortunate to stay at 16 and uh you know like bruce pearl throwing cold water on his hot team last week said this team isn't as good as we think and you agree with that i mean obviously since we were hyping them up and, and getting excited about them and then uh, again i said this in the first hour according to the metrics this was probably the hardest week that Auburn was going to go through with game road games at Alabama and at Mississippi State. But, man, you start looking at the back half of this schedule. Whoa, and it's brutal. It starts getting really tough because of what's happening around the SEC. And I look at a Saturday game at Ole Miss. That's not easy. You welcome Alabama into our building. That's still not easy. Yeah, I mean, Nate Oates swept Bruce Pearl last year. A road game at Florida home game versus South Carolina, who has one of the best defenses in all of college basketball. Kentucky, who continues to do their thing. They uh, are a top-ten team in the country. At Georgia, who they may not be winning all their games, but they're in all of their games, and that's a scary place to play right now. And a very confident team in Georgia. At Tennessee, yikes. Home versus Mississippi State. At Missouri, shouldn't be an issue. And then you're home for Georgia to wrap up the regular season. So that stretch has become a lot more difficult given what we've seen the last two games. But as we continue talking about the game on Saturday and the team as a whole, what has to improve here? What has to get better with what should be a get-right game versus Vanderbilt on Wednesday night inside of Neville Arena. That's not a good Vanderbilt team. They're, they're not. Auburn went and beat them by a lot at their place just a few weeks ago, 80-65. to 65. Should be worse than that come Wednesday, but a perfect opportunity for a get-right game. I would like to see the first thing happen is that the, uh, the rotations 
need to be modified. Okay, how so? I don't think Chris Moore needs to start any basketball game at Auburn. I think we've got some personnel issues out on the court at times that are a liability. I mean, he can barely hit water if he fell out of a boat shooting the ball. And I'm not going to be Baghdad Barner on here. I'm a fan. Okay, I'm going to call it like like it is. I might be wrong. Wouldn't be the first time. But I got people blowing me up all during that game asking me why Chris Moore is out on the three-point line shooting the ball, throwing up bricks. That'd be step number one. Step number two is to let Leor Berman take a seat as well. Nice kid. Happy for the kid he's on scholarship. Thank you so much for being here. Some of these starters are going to have to play longer minutes. Okay? Leor Berman cannot guard Mark Sears. He cannot, uh, he cannot block out powerful big man in, in the SEC. Three trips down the lane, down the court. Three straight trips down. Mississippi State goes over him and rebounds when he's got position. There's no reason for it. Yeah, Those are critical moments. I'm looking up at the Alabama game in a critical moment, and he's guarding the number one scorer in the league. Come on, man. That's not right. It's not fair to him. You know, that's where I'd start. Yeah. I'd start. My better players would be playing more minutes. And somehow, some way, at some point, I want to see Janai Broom and Dylan Cardwell on the court at the same time. Mm. Okay? I don't know how you do it, but I'd like to see that because that would be a physical Auburn basketball team. Somehow get creative and figure it out just for a little bit. Got to give some people some different looks with that rotation, man. Yeah, and... You know, for a while in the in the non-conference schedule and even in the early SEC schedule, we were talking about and really bragging about how deep this Auburn team was, the fact that they, at the time, could legitimately go 10 to 11 deep. I mean, Janai Broom, Jalen Williams, Aiden Holloway, Chad Baker-Mazzara, Katie Johnson, Trey Donaldson, Denver Jones, Dylan Cardwell, Chaney Johnson, Chris Moore. There's 10 right there. All 10 of those guys have played in every single game this year. They've played in all 20 games. Leor's played in 19. So you could say, technically, he gets six minutes. But everybody else that I just named is double-digit minutes. So we'll say that this Auburn team is 10 deep, right? That's not normal for a college basketball team. The average team has seven if they're lucky, eight if you're good, right? Eight people that they can trust to go in the game at any time. And... Up until this past week, right, Auburn has had 10 guys that they could trust put in the game that would actually do something and be a legitimate advantage and a legitimate asset to the team. And I think we may have been blinded by how successful they were early, how successful they were against... I don't know, teams like Vanderbilt, right? And teams in the non-conference schedule and beating up on bad Indiana teams by 30 in Atlanta, right? Doing those types of things and thinking, man, this team is going to dominate all season long. I am one of those people that was blinded by it. And I'm not saying that it can't work. I'm not trying to jump ship and, and play both sides and flip my narrative here. But it is something really tough to do to play nine or ten guys, And at the end of the day, and many basketball teams have to figure this out as you get into conference play, you have to play your best players. Your best players 
have to be the ones playing in the game. And that sounds so dumb and elementary, but it's legit, right? Sure, your 10 guys have gotten you this far. They've helped you get to this point, and you've had a guy like Chris Moore who can start, and then you bring in Chad Baker-Mazar, who's a, a freak off the bench. You have somebody like KD Johnson and, and, and guys like that and Trey Donaldson who can come in, and I'm not saying they shouldn't play. They absolutely should. But I'm with you on somebody like Chris Moore or Leor Berman who have been able to come in over time and save some minutes from some guys. Even, look, I love the kid, but even Chaney Johnson, right? The game's just a little fast for him right now. I, I think the last couple of games he's actually played a little bit better. And he has gotten better, and, absolutely. And he's been physical. Um, he's done a good job rebounding uh, for the most part. So, you know, I, hopefully he's beginning to pick up a little bit. But I'm with you. Early in the season he looked lost. Mm-hmm. In the Mississippi State game, the top five-minute getters for Mississippi State played 156 minutes total in that game. For Auburn, it's 127. Okay? And somehow, some way, their top five guys got the W. It's crunch time. The best players have to play. They have to suck it up. And if they got to play a few extra minutes to, get, to, to not put you in a defensive disadvantage – like with Leor Berman, sorry, it's true, or offensive disadvantage like Chris Moore, sorry, it's true, then so be it. You got to come you got to come right now beginning in February. You got to do anything you can do to win the game. And if you get up and you need to start rotating people to save some time, that's fine, especially if you're rolling. But man, you just can't keep keep doing this same old thing especially on the road. It's not working. It's not working, folks. And this and, and after January, after Wednesday, the schedule is brutal for Auburn. I mean, this is brutal. They go to Ole Miss. That they could theoretically lose every one of these games. What? And their upcoming schedule? At, after Vanderbilt. They, I mean, in February. Listen to this. Let's just go through it and let's be honest. Auburn at Ole Miss Saturday. Tough game. Toss up game. Alabama at Auburn next week. That's a toss-up game. I'm tired of hearing we're going to run them out of the gym. Prove it. Auburn fans are still whistling past the graveyard after that loss against Alabama. Oh, we'll get them back. Oh, will we? They came down here and took care of business last year. Auburn at Florida, February 10th. That's becoming a tougher game. Oh, you better believe it. That's becoming a really scary game. South Carolina at Auburn. I'll give Auburn a win there. Kentucky at Auburn, February 17th. That's at best a toss-up game. Auburn at Georgia, February 24th. I'll give them that. Oh. Uh, Sorry, I'll be in attendance. So That's a toss-up game. And then Auburn at Tennessee, February 28th at 6 p.m. Those are all very difficult. This is going to be one of not only the most difficult stretches this season, but in recent history. Let's get to the phone lines here in hour number two, 334-321-1390. Mark, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow. Hey, how you doing? Doing good, man. uh, You know, last week I was telling you Auburn is not as good as they've been uh, led, that we've been led to believe, but Mm -hmm. they're not as bad either. And Tebow, one thing, you just said you'll give them South Carolina. I think South Carolina's going to be the hardest game out of the ones you said was a toss-up. Really? Wow. Okay, that, that one is at home. That is a home game. give it to them because they're playing listen, at home. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. Listen. All right. The game 
teams, the teams that have given Auburn the most trouble are the teams that play better, which makes sense, play better defense. Right. With the exception, you know, I'm not going to say Alabama, but Auburn couldn't throw it in the bucket against Alabama, and they tried. They just kept trying to shoot three-pointers when they weren't going in until the second half when they decided, hey, look, we can go inside. The problem with Auburn is not – I don't think playing the 10 people, it's just that, and this is something that we said earlier in the season, when we got 10 people that can score, all 10 of them are not going to go cold at the same time. But it seems like that's what we have more than some other teams. We have to, we're either on or we're not on. And it's usually against the teams that play the best defense. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State is a good, you know, they're a decent defensive team, whether and uh, that's why I said I think South Carolina is going to be one of the toughest games because I don't know if you know it or not, but they are a tough defensive team. Yeah, one of the, one them, of the best in the country. Yeah, they are. I watched that them play Missouri right. this past weekend. I watched a lot of that game against Missouri. They didn't play so well, hot offensively, but they uh, they were very aggressive defensively, no doubt about it. And did you see what they did to Kentucky? If yep. you can do that to Kentucky defensively, you can do it to anybody. Yeah. Yeah, here's, uh, here you, here's, here's South Carolina's defensive scores that they've given up in SEC play, Mark, and I'm sure you know this, but 62-74, that's the most, right? They gave up 74 to Alabama and Georgia. That Alabama game was the one where they just couldn't do anything offensively. 69-74 to Georgia. Their last three games against Arkansas, Kentucky, and Missouri, all wins for South Carolina, they gave up 64, 62, and 64. Right. And, and, again, that game is at Auburn, so I do expect Auburn to be able to win that. But they've got to figure out a way to uh, – and I don't disagree with playing nine or ten because in basketball, you know, yeah, you got a big separation between your top five, but I don't think we have as big of a separation. You know, uh, Chaney is – he is uh, – or, yeah, Ch- uh, Chauncey, whatever his name is – I got mistaken. Cheney, Cheney anyway, Johnson? He yeah. Come, yeah, he has come on. He has been one of the better players we've had the last few games. Yeah, I think he's getting like T Bone said. I think he is playing better early on. It was it was a little quick for him, but I think he's yeah. finally starting to get his feet under him a little bit and and, and kind of pick up a lot of the energy that Chad Baker Mazar because I think he's kind of taken a slight step back in the last couple of games. Yeah, but anyway, have a great day. Thank- Enjoy. You know, we got Bandy, so we should get us a win. There you week. go. That's right. That's right. Thanks for the All call, right. Mark. We appreciate it, man. 334-321-1390. And look, you look at South Carolina, I've said it, man. They're a dangerous team. Now, they have a tendency to go ice cold offensively. Again, I look at the Alabama game in Tuscaloosa where they scored 47 points. But their last three games... They beat Arkansas, Kentucky, and Missouri. And as I said, they gave up 64, 62, 64. And as Mark was saying, it is a, it's an elementary statement, but Auburn struggles against good defensive teams, teams that play physical, tough defense, and that's what Mississippi State has been built on since their head coach got there, was we're going to build this thing on defense first. And look what happened. Auburn struggled yet again offensively. You'll get to see a little bit more of South Carolina tomorrow night. Really curious on SEC this game. SEC Network, 5.30 p.m. The Gamecocks travel up to number five, Tennessee. Whew. I yeah. think Tennessee will handle them. 
at home pretty easily. But I'm with Mark. I mean, it just makes my point even uh, that much more on target. If, if he's just saying that we better watch out for South Carolina and you can't have that as a gimme, then February is brutal tough for Auburn. Yeah. Hopefully that Vandy is coming along right now and that's just what the doctor ordered. Like you said, it's a get-right game. But I, I think it right that there's some confidence issues I'm sensing here too. And maybe it was just because they went on the road. I can't quite pinpoint it, but something happened last week. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it was Coach Pearl coming out and throwing cold water on his team being red hot. I don't know if they overcooked it at practice. You know, study long. Oftentimes you pick them wrong, Jacob. Mm. You can overgrind. Have you ever overgrinded? Oh, Overstudied? Yeah. Every Overthought day. Overthought it? <laughs> exactly. And they got after it last week before going on the road, and that team just looked like it had a confidence problem early on in the Alabama game, and it looked like it had a uh, had a fatigue problem in that Mississippi State game. It's watching people, four guys at the rim, watching somebody on a free throw run up and, and, and get the ball and rebound. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that there's a lack of effort mentally, but something just didn't click next week, and whatever it was, they better stop doing that in preparation of games. And I'll say this before we get to break. The narrative about college basketball and it being extremely tough to win games and win games on the road, it's absolutely true. It is. Look at everybody else in college basketball. They're struggling and in in the same situation that Auburn is when it comes to trying to win on the road. But here's what I'll say, and I saw people respond to this on X over the weekend. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care that Kansas can't win on the road in the Big 12 doesn't affect Auburn. I don't care that Purdue lost on the road to Northwestern in Big Ten play. doesn't affect Auburn. I don't care that other teams in the SEC are winning games or can't win games on the road in the SEC. doesn't affect Auburn. The fact of the matter is Auburn is 16-4 and and they're 0-3 in quad one games. They're 6-1 in quad two, which I think says a lot, but they've yet to beat a legitimate tournament quality type of team. And that is an issue that has to be addressed. That's an issue that has to be talked about here. Right. And I think it is. And I think they're going to get those wins. This is a good Auburn team. They just had a bad week. Yeah. I hope that you're right because if they don't get those wins and they don't get them pretty quickly, if they make the tournament and this trend continues, if they make the tournament, They'll drop way down, be an 8-9, again, like what they were last year, and be lucky, be lucky, Jacob, not to be two and barbecue like they were against Houston last year, but be bounced and be one and done. We'll get to the phone lines when we come back. Take our first break here in hour number two. And a reminder, Jacob Hillman joins us coming up later on in this hour on the show today. 334-321-1390. Phone lines coming up when we come back here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Dan, you're on the line with Jacob and Uncle Tebow, man. How are you? Uh, Not bad. Okay, I'm, I'm going to try to throw a lot at you, and y'all just take in what you can. All right, we'll okay. let you. We'll let you grip um, it and rip it, and we'll respond afterwards. All right from the, from the Mississippi State game. Okay, one person who I I was disappointed in is Dylan because you can't get four fouls 
by pushing off. When, when you're a six ten guy who can jump out of the roof, just go get the ball. That's mm-hmm. what you have the body to do it. You have the, the power to do it. You know, and so you, of course you got Janai playing tons of minutes, which is fine. But he was obviously wore out at the end of the game. Uh, you know, I do like the idea of going with with the the bigger a bigger team. We, why don't we just try to match up a little bit better, you know? And it's not just at, at putting in Dylan at center and, and Jai at the at the four just to see how it might look, you know? But I also think that you can go with Chaney Johnson at the three, you know? Go yeah. with a, a rebound. If you're going to go against a team that's got a bunch of bodybuilding big dudes, then then match up with some big dudes too yeah. and see how that changes. And and as far as, like, like confidence, you know, look, Chris Moore – Used to shoot forty percent when he was a young when when he was a freshman, mm-hmm. which is really good. I think he can shoot. He's just nervous for some reason. He's afraid to shoot the ball. It's literally he doesn't even know if he's going to make it. So I think he's got to not be nervous. And 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 if he's going to be nervous, then it's like you said, Chaney Johnson's not a nervous player. You know, he'll shoot a shot if he's open. He's not afraid. No, you better believe. You know. And but that's I how you have to be. I think we're not you matching be, up as well as we could. Yeah, Dan, you got to be cold blooded if you're going to shoot the ball. You just let it rip. It's complete confidence. Yeah, and then, and then the other thing I was thinking is, well, if you just keep going with my line of thinking on that stretch right there, okay, all right, you got uh, Chad Baker, okay, well he could play guard. He covers guards all the time. You go with that big lineup and let him play guard for five minutes and see if they can shoot over a six eight guy. You know, playing guard. Yeah, or, you know, or if they get by or, him, I mean, he has he has the length to at least recover if a guard gets by him off the perimeter. I don't mind it. Yeah, I, I just think, look, look, we we lost two games against two tough teams on the road by five points. Okay, that's, that's nothing to be ashamed of. You know what? We didn't shoot the ball well. Obviously, our guys have got to just, you know, t- t- toughen up. And just you know, make it happen shooting the ball. But one or two shots in both those games, and we could have easily won those games. I mean, mm-hmm. those games were down to a one point game, literally in the last few minutes, and then they ended up stretching it to five. It's not we didn't get beat down by a team. Our defense showed up. Right. It's just we got to get our offense the same. We got to get it caught up or put guys in who who can make it happen. You know, and I mean, and I don't have a problem you know playing the other guys, but if they come in and they're not going to get it done. And then you do got to go heavier minutes with your guys who aren't afraid. Yeah. No, I'm with you on, on everything you said right there, Dan. I really am. So, anyway, but yep. look, we need everybody to show up. We need to win all the games that we should win. And, and look, it's when we play good, we can beat anybody. Yeah. It's just if our offense just disappears, then we're in a tight game. Yeah. And that's no. how it's going to be. So, that's we right. just need our offense to come around. Yeah. And once it does, I mean, I think Auburn's going to be back on a roll. And I think they'll be beating teams, and, and they're going to be a tough team to beat if Auburn starts scoring the basketball. That's right. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate the call, Dan. 334-321-1390. And I'll say this. we got about a minute before we get to break. I'll say this. He's absolutely right. Both of these games were – one possession games down the wire to the wire with Auburn having chances to win both of them. And they're both on the road, which makes this difficult. And NCAA tournament games and SEC tournament games are not played on the road, Uncle Tebow, and they're played right. neutral site. But guess what? These were two quad one teams that Auburn went up against, and down the stretch, they couldn't finish. They couldn't pull off the win. They didn't get the W coming out of it. These were NCAA tournament type of games. Oh, yeah. We just changed the trajectory of both of those teams' season by by losing. Yeah. And, you know, those are types of games 
yes, neutral site, wherever the heck you're playing, but those are the games you have to be able to pull out and win come March. And I know it's not March yet. It's not. It's still late January. So we have time to get that in our system and become that type of team. But that's what gets us concerned. It's not that Auburn lost two in a row. The right. SEC's tough. No, I think what concerns most people is that they. it seems like they just started drinking uh, backsliders wine. And the famous words of Jerry Jeff Walker. Yeah. Right? It's, you know, times got tough. And they resorted back to old bad habits. We all thought they had grown past that. Even though what happened at Appalachian State happened. We thought that Auburn was over that and was more mature than that. Mentally tougher than that. Real quick before the break, Bruce Pearl's comments on a couple of guys who are struggling to shoot. They just need to stop shooting if they can't make it. Is he talking about Chris Moore? Who's he talking about there? That's a good question. The whole team? You got to fire it up to win. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman about that. If you don't shoot, Jacob. That's right. 334-321-1390. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network when we come back here on on the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. We appreciate you being with us on this Monday. We've had all sorts of things to talk about here with Auburn basketball. We talked a little Auburn football today as well. Uh, some more college basketball, SEC basketball, so many things uh, on the on the docket today. And we are uh, working on getting Jacob Hillman in here from the Auburn Sports Network and believe he is. Uh, about to be with us in just a minute or so and yeah I mean you know the the conversation when it comes to to this Auburn basketball team we've hit on a lot of the points today Uncle T-Bone and I'm sure that Jacob Hillman has some things to say but it was a tough week for Auburn and I think people just want him to bounce back and we'll see if that's the case come Wednesday versus Vanderbilt but we do have I believe Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network how are you sir? I'm doing well. Sorry, I uh, I wasn't ready ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're totally fine, man. You're totally fine. We have got you now. We are ready to go here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Hope you're doing well. We do appreciate you and your time. And uh, a lot of the conversation today has been about this Auburn basketball team after a struggle last week on the road at Alabama. Also, a struggle uh, at Mississippi State. Kind of your analysis and breakdown of what has happened uh, for Auburn basketball over the last week. Or so yeah I, I will start with uh, Wednesday night at Coleman Coliseum and that game felt like it was a tale of two halves the uh, first half obviously uh, w- was won by Alabama Auburn got off to a good start in that game but did not finish that first half well and then obviously the second half Auburn made its climb back had a chance to win at the end but some critical missed box outs or, or missed shots at the end uh, cost the Tigers and then uh, continuing into Saturday the obvious story was the rebounding and, and Mississippi State's a really, really good round, rebounding team. That That's their bread and butter, but uh, Auburn really struggled to uh, hit the boards, and, and especially on the defensive end, and Mississippi State was able to uh, uh, score off of those second-chance opportunities, and that, that, that made a big difference, especially uh, late in the game. Obviously, that 1-3 that hit 
Uh, I think it was Hubbard at the end that really mm-hmm. was the backbreaker for Auburn. What a that, what a ma- miracle shot! I mean that that was just yeah. some of the crazy. I mean, look, he buried it. Give him credit, right? He absolutely buried it. But I mean, you shoot that ten more times, and that's about the only time it would have gone in. I think. Well, and I think that that kind of leads to my next point. That's part of playing at home, playing on the road. It, it's tough on the road, and and I think that 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 has been hammered into everyone's mind this past week, uh, whether it's just Auburn or throughout college basketball is how tough it is to play on the road. And we talked about it a little bit last week where these are going to be two of your tougher games uh, the rest of the season, two quad one opportunities, both on the road. Alabama, obviously, an explosive offense. Mississippi State, a hard-nosed basketball team that already upset Tennessee earlier this season at the hump, and then they get Auburn this, this past weekend. So I think really this is something that uh, you look at and you grow from, and your next opportunity is going to be this Saturday against Ole Miss. Obviously, you're focused on Vanderbilt right now, but uh, what I'm looking at currently is uh, the road games and how Auburn performs there. I, I, I have full confidence uh, in the Tigers bouncing back on Wednesday against Vanderbilt, but it, it's all about Saturday and, and responding to this past week. Jacob Hillman with the Auburn Sports Network. Jacob, two-and-a-half-hour drive to Tuscaloosa, four hours from Auburn to Starkville. What was up with the roadie? How come they didn't just come home Wednesday and then fire back down at least uh, in bus to uh, Starkville? I've yeah, really, yeah, I think- really felt like that, keeping them out on the road like that, had a fatigue issue with Auburn. It, it, it could have, but I also, I also like the idea that uh, Coach Pearl had of letting them of letting them rest in uh, on Thursday morning. They, they they slept in a little bit, got a practice in at a local JUCO uh, in Tuscaloosa. Then I think made their way over either Thursday afternoon or, or Friday morning. I'm not sure exactly, uh, but yeah, it was something different. It's something that Auburn hasn't really done. Coach Pearl, the way he compared it to was uh, his old days back in D2 when you get on a bus and play two games. So obviously something that uh, these players had not experienced at least. Uh, this season or during their time at Auburn. I mean, some of these guys obviously coming from JUCO or Division II or uh, mid-majors might have done it, but they haven't done it at Auburn. So it was a little bit different. And whether it played a massive role or not, uh, who knows? Now, I will say things are going to get a little bit uh, a little bit easier now. I don't, I'm not sure when the next 100's back-to-back road games uh, on this schedule, I guess it comes – when you go to Knoxville at the end of this next month. Yeah, uh, Georgia, Georgia and then Knoxville. Saturday. Yeah. So that's the next time you have back-to-back road games. It's the only other time you have back-to-back road games. So obviously you're not going to do that same strategy there, but it, it, it does play a factor when you're on the road two games in a row. And when we get to that point, that's going to be your toughest road matchup yet of the season. It's going to be a midweek in Knoxville. So in the, and at that point, who knows what kind of SEC championship uh, – uh, uh, aspirations Auburn will have, but that it, that game could decide that. So uh, I I really think that the road uh, games are going to be are going to be tough for Auburn the rest of the way. Uh, obviously, Auburn's played the easier part of its schedule uh, already, and then these past two games started the tougher part. So Auburn's got to respond on Saturday on the road, and then uh, you've got more quad one opportunities after that.
Auburn dropped in the latest AP poll today, down from 8 all the way to 16 after an 0-2 week since the last AP poll was put out. And according to the last bracketology, which was updated on uh, Friday, so before Auburn's loss to Mississippi State, we should get another one, I think, tomorrow from Joe Lenardi at ESPN. Look, Auburn's been a, a very solid team. They're a three seed in the latest bracketology. We'll see how that adjusts with the loss to Mississippi State. Where do you put the, uh, I guess, the confidence factor on this team to start picking up some of those quad one wins, which they've yet to do, kind of rebound here and get some of those wins in a, in a schedule like you just talked about that, yeah, it gets a heck of a lot tougher from here on out. Yeah, you've got to hope that it starts on Saturday, but I, I think the, the important thing to remember is that none of these chances have come at home yet uh, obviously you have the neutral site game against Baylor back in November and then you go to App State which is actually a quad two game at the moment they're just outside of that top 75 range where a road game is a quad one game but that I think that could vary back towards uh, a quad one game by the time this season's over those mount that that seems very good but then obviously Alabama and Mississippi State are both on the have both been on the road and then Ole Miss on Saturday will be an away game your first road or your first home quad one opportunity will be next Wednesday against Alabama, and you know it's kind of a must win uh, in that aspect as far as trying to get a high seed in the NCAA tournament because I, I think, like you said, the bracketologists are probably aren't being too kind to Auburn right now because the resume isn't super impressive. You're zero and three or zero and four, uh, depending on where you put App State in quad one games, and and that that's not what. Uh, the selection committee is going to look at come Selection Sunday. They're, they want to see wins in that column. And as good as Auburn's been in quad two, it's not going to put them over uh, a team that has four or five quad one wins at the season's end. So uh, Auburn has a chance to make up that ground because, like I said, it, the, the, the tougher part of the schedule is definitely at the end. So uh, you're going to have plenty of opportunities in February and towards the beginning of March to do that. And then obviously the SEC tournament happens, but – Right now, you're in a spot where you're going to have to play a little bit of catch-up uh, on those quad one wins. Jacob, former Auburn D.C. Ron Roberts, he resigned on January 8th. Today's the 28th. And I'm going to go ahead and speak for the fans I've been talking to about it, and I'm sure it's not that big a deal. But in the famous words of uh, Judge Smells from Caddyshack, well, we're waiting. <laughs> What's going yeah. on there? Yeah, no, it, it, it's hard to say. Uh, uh, there's obviously one on-field uh, staff position remaining uh, to fill on the football uh, coaching staff, and right now I think Charles Kelly is kind of heading the charge on the defensive uh, on the defensive side of the ball uh, as far as recruiting and, and and really getting this team set for the spring. But obviously, you want to get that uh, that last guy in as soon as possible. But I, I do think Kelly has the experience and and really the uh, uh, everything that you could ask for to be a defensive coordinator. Now, obviously, he's not going to be that um, if, if they're still trying to hire a defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator for him um, once the season starts. But right now, I, I think that they're just taking their time trying to really get the right guy in. And uh, I think because you have Kelly on the staff, you can take that time and, and make sure you hire uh, the right person for the job. 
Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on ESPN 106.7. Other updates around Auburn athletics. We've got gymnastics, women's basketball, uh, tennis, golf. I mean, hey, baseball, softball right around the corner yeah. too, Hillman. Uh, give us uh, kind of a quick rundown on everything going on other than football, basketball over at Auburn Athletics. Right, yeah. Uh, Auburn Gymnastics went to number four Arkansas, set a season best on the road Friday night, 196.675. This team is getting so close. Uh, I, I think what, what we're seeing is that they're putting together a lot of good scores. If they're able to do uh, do something and make some of those scores great scores, then this team can really make a jump and, and really uh, have a chance at a run in the postseason. Uh, their next meet will be a quad meet on Friday uh, against Fisk, Talladega, at Temple. That is the first quad meet in Neville Arena history. So uh, get your tickets at aubtix.com. And then tonight, uh, Auburn women's basketball is back in action against Georgia. The last two home games have been absolutely electric with wins over Alabama and the defending champs, LSU. It's time to get back in Neville Arena for uh, another rivalry matchup. That's at 6 o'clock tonight, AU 100, 100.3 FM. Britt Bowen, Dr. Larry share on the call. But if you're in the Auburn area, wear white. Get your tickets at aubtix.com and head over to Neville Arena. That game tips off at 6. Um, and then the next men's basketball broadcast will be on Wednesday. Andy Burcher, Sonny Smith, Brad Law, the call. Getting at 7.30 against Vanderbilt. And then uh, I, I guess I guess really Tiger Talk. On Thursday, we're back at Howard's Victory Grill. Uh, Coach Pearl, Sophia Growth, Chaney Johnson, uh, we hope, join us uh, from Baumhauer's on Thursday at 6. And then Thursday, Auburn women's basketball home against number one South Carolina. Correct. That that is correct. So that's going to be a <laughs> that, that's going to be a loaded Thursday. So you want to come to Tiger Talk? You 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 have to leave a little early to make it for tip off of the women's game at seven o'clock. But uh, Britt Bowen will have the call from Neville Arena on Thursday. Awesome, man. Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. He's with us every single Monday at 3.30 talking all things Auburn Athletics. Man, we appreciate you and your time. We know it's a busy time uh, over there. It's a busy time here, so we totally understand. Let everybody know where they can find you, find everything that's going on at the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow the Auburn Sports Network there as well at AU Sports Network. We'll have broadcast details for the whole spring slate uh, as they come uh, over there. Yeah, yeah, with baseball, softball right around the corner, man. We will uh, we'll definitely be talking a lot about that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Jacob, we appreciate you, man. Have a great week. Thanks, guys. War Eagle. That's Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Monday edition of On the Line, we appreciate Jacob Hillman from the Auburn Sports Network joining us on the phone lines as he does every Monday, and he uh, will be with us next Monday as well. But let's get to the phone lines one more time here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And Dak, you're on the line, brother. How are you? Hey, right, good guys. Good to hear your voices today. Yes, sir. Good to hear uh, from got, you, man. I got in my car in the last twenty minutes, so I heard about twenty minutes of the show today. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree with Uncle T Bone, man. I said it on Thursday that I thought it was a mistake that we went from Tuscaloosa to Columbus to stay all for three days. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I don't care what sport it is. When you're not sleeping in your own bed, you're taking teenagers and 20-year-olds off. 
that is the worst thing to do. And I've experienced it as a player and as a coach uh, doing that. And, uh, you know, and then you're asking for trouble, which obviously something happened. Uh, I guess some of them probably got up in the middle of the night, went to rounders is my guess. (laughs) Somebody stayed out a little too late. It's hard to stay out late in Starkville. Well, I'm assuming they stayed in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night. No, you can easily stay out late in Tuscaloosa. I've done it many times. Absolutely, but you know. Uh, but anyway, I, I think I think they would have been better off coming back home, sleeping in their own bed. Yeah, I'm with and, you, Dak. I mean, I just don't understand it, and I'm hearing some of these comments like, "Well, this is what Bruce Pearl." It reminded him of being a Division Two coach, and you know, look, if this was 1980, and yeah. we didn't have a private jet that could easily get you to the Columbus. East right. Mississippi Regional in about one hour tops. That's right. And and back and forth. They fly that jet back and forth between Tuscaloosa almost every day. You can look that up That's on right. FlightAware. So yeah. I, I don't understand it. I thought it was a massive mistake. Even having right. practices outside of your normal areas in JUCOs around the area, um, I, I just I don't get it. They got out of routine. Right. Uh, it obviously it may have caused some problems. Uh, I don't know, discipline wise, and right. um, and you, you know, they just the looked tired Saturday. They just looked tired. Well, look, Uncle T Bone, that's what happens. I can remember when we would play uh, at LSU on a Saturday night or Tallahassee on a Saturday night, and you're getting there uh, on a Friday about noon, mm-hmm. and you're having to sit in your hotel for. You know, the rest of that day and all day the next day, it wears on you. Yep. I mean, it really does. Mentally more than uh, anything. Those kids need to be back on the planes anyway to be in their classroom. Now, I know that this is a new world and you can be on your phone and you can do classwork from wherever, but it's still not the same. That's right. They're college students first. That's right. And when he was coaching at lower division, they took buses. Lord, that's why you stayed in hotels and went from one to the other. I mean, that's a big difference when you can fly in an hour and be somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. But, I didn't get it. But I'll tell you, I think the dagger to the heart in that game on Saturday was when we scored, I think there was like four, four and a half minutes left, we scored to cut it to one, and they threw it in real quick, and we stole the ball. Yeah. And instead of setting up the offense, Shoot. he threw up a, a, yeah, a bad shot yeah. from behind the backboard, and they get it and go down and yep. score. Yep, that, that that was a killer right there. Hey, Dak, real quick question. Uh, I love history. I love Auburn football history especially. What years were you down in uh, Tallahassee? That would have been 89. 1989. That was a night game. That's right. Yep, I remember it well. That was one of two losses for the Tigers that year, the other being Tennessee. Man, that was, a, that was the uh, Washington wrestle, wrestle with them Angels season. That's right. I love That's right. It. I love and, it. We, and you know, if we if we played that game today, you know, Reggie got sacked on the five yard line, and he got up calling timeout, and they didn't give it to us. Mm. Well, today they would have been three seconds put back on the clock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Little... I remember uh, Auburn going down a little bit earlier in that game and digging out of a hole late. That's right. That's right. And uh, That's I think awesome. so. Uh, were you here in 1990 also? I was. Jim Von Weil. 
That's it. That's, That's it. awesome, man. <laughs> well, we're going to end yeah. the show on a positive note. Hey, one last question now. Yeah, go for it. Sports basketball. I asked Uncle T-Bone this. Do you think there's some a little bit of practice? Not, I know we ain't got to worry about Bruce's job, but when Alabama comes into town and he loses to him again, what what is that? Well, let me. Yeah, it would be three and seven, and I'm going to say this. I said it last week. They better have that game circled in crimson, red, lipstick, marker, whatever you got. And there better be quotes up on the wall uh, in the locker room from Nate Oates and his mouth. And there better be message board stuff and Twitter stuff pulled off from the Alabama side. And not just for the players, but for Coach Pearl too, because I'm seeing a lot of Nate Oates owns Pearl out there. And that's, that's that right. better be Auburn Super Bowl right there. The tra- it was a trajectory game last week for Alabama. We can reset this whole thing with a big win over them next Wednesday. That's right. It better be that's our right. Super Bowl this go around, and Auburn fans better be rock and rolling. I hear you, buddy. Y'all have a good one. Thanks so much, Dak. We appreciate you. We appreciate your call, 334-321-1390. Here's my advice for the, uh, for the students at Auburn. Wednesday night after Vanderbilt, just don't leave. Just don't leave. Just stay. Stay there for the week, camp Tent, out, take your laptop. City. Yeah, take your laptop, take out a we man, we used to take air mattresses and couches and everything man, you were when the I was mayor in school. Of Pearlville at one time, weren't you? <laughs> no, uh, not not so city much. City manager. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a city official. Yeah, that's right. And look, that's that all started when I was in college when right. we really started getting good and and they've carried it on well and and yeah, Auburn oh, Auburn has to get a big win Saturday, or I mean Wednesday against Bama, but they got to get one Saturday too against Ole yeah. Miss. But they got to take care of business well, Wednesday against Vanderbilt. You know what they say about Pearlville? It's like Vegas. What happens there stays there. Mm, interesting. Well, we'll have more tomorrow here on the show. Uncle T-Bone will be back on Wednesday. Double D, Daryl Dapperts will join me tomorrow in hour number two. You already know he's got some things to say about Auburn basketball and the lack of defensive coordinator for Auburn football. All that and more. I'll give you my thoughts on the NFL games from yesterday. T-Bone can help me talk about that on Wednesday as well. So until tomorrow, two to four, right here on ESPN 106.7. He is Uncle T-Bone. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.